today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I know the Word of God, and I've rightly divided the Word of God so I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or caught off guard and blindsided when a legalist preys on me. By virtue of being mature in the Word, eating meat, man, I mean steak, thick steak too, by the way. I'm going to be able to distinguish, discern good from evil. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. The tendency toward legalism by Christians today, as it was in the early church, is strong. People will try to convince you that you need to do things to be saved. Yet, as Pastor J.D. teaches today, when you're a mature believer and know God's Word well, you can't be led astray to legalism. You won't be pulled away from God's grace. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews, chapter 12, with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. Jesus says, let not your heart be troubled. Why would he say that to the disciples? Because their heart was troubled. Well, let's just superimpose that truth into the context of what we're looking at today. Don't be ignorant. Because being ignorant, by the way, it might explain it, but again, it does not excuse it. This ignorance, it's a mark of spiritual immaturity. And I got to tell you (laughs) that the spiritually immature Christian is a sitting duck for the legalist. In fact, I'm convinced that the legalists, they, they have that, you know how dogs have that sense of smell? They just, they can smell it a mile away. They don't know the Scriptures. They're ignorant of the Scriptures. I know the Scriptures. Just ask me. I'll tell you. And they do. Of course, they quote them out of context. But the spiritually immature Christian is a sitting duck for the legalists to prey on them and lead them astray. It's heartbreaking, really. Actually, the writer of Hebrews warned them, even going as far as rebuking them earlier in his letter concerning their immaturity. Remember chapter 5? Let me read verses 11 through 14. He says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make it clear to you. Do you want to know why? Because you no longer even try to understand. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, You need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Shame on you. You've been walking with the Lord for how many years, and you haven't even teethed yet? 
You're still on milk? You should be eating steak, uh, medium rare, sorry. (laughs) He says this then. He's he's holding nothing back, by the way. And that's a good thing. There's a needed strength here. Anyone who lives on milk, being still an infant, spiritually speaking now, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. But, and I want you to listen to this, solid food is for the mature who, by constant use, have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. Did you catch that? Oh, wait a minute. So, if I'm not ignorant, and I'm mature, and I know the Word of God, and I've rightly divided the Word of God, so I'm not embarrassed or ashamed or caught off guard and blindsided when a legalist preys on me, by virtue of being mature in the Word, eating meat, man, I mean steak, thick steak too, by the way. I'm going to be able to distinguish, discern good from evil. So now, here comes the legalist, right? (laughs) Come on, let's do this. You want to try that on me? Uh, I've trained myself to distinguish between right and wrong. So you want to come and try to tell me in your legalism that I have to do something? Bring it. You know, this is an interesting analogy. Again, it's probably outdated, I don't know, but whatever. You know how they would train bank tellers to spot counterfeits? They would have them get so familiar with the genuine feel it, touch it, smell it, count it, know it, know it well, so that when they try to slip in a counterfeit and they come across it, they are so familiar with the genuine, something isn't quite right about that. Because see, I I, I know what the truth is. That doesn't, doesn't, we say it like this, doesn't pass the smell test. Something ain't quite right with that. Never go against that check or that pause that the Holy Spirit places in your heart. That's called discernment. That's called spiritual discernment. And it comes when we mature and train ourselves and know the Word of God. I cringe when I think how many Christians are ill-prepared and caught off guard because they don't know the Word. So all it takes is for somebody to come along with some false doctrine and start quoting Scripture, and they're like, oh, oh wow. And and they quoted it out of the Bible. Come on. The devil knows the Bible better than you do. The demons know Scripture. You don't think the demons, they even believe in God and tremble. 
Satan, when he tempted Jesus, he, he quoted Scripture. He misquoted it. It was just like, uh, it was just about, it just sounded right. But to one who has trained themselves and knows the Word of God. Wait, 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 wait. wait. You, you said you just quoted that out of the Bible? Stop right there. Nice try. <laughs> Get thee behind me, Satan. No, don't tell him that. But you're, you're taking that out of context. That's not what that says. See, this is what that says. Nice try. And here's the thing. They always have an agenda. What's their agenda? Well, Acts tells us what their agenda is, is to draw disciples unto themselves. Because they alone are the arbiters of truth. So you have to go to them for the interpretation of God's Word, because they're well studied and very learned. They even talk like that. <laughs> right? And they talk down to you, and you're like, whoa. I want to close with a, this, this just happened last week to my son. He gave me permission. I asked him if I could share this. So he's in his senior year in college in California, and he's on campus one day, and he notices these guys studying the Bible. They have a Bible study. He's like, cool. And he approaches them, and he's like, hey, I want to be a part of your Bible study. They're like, yeah, come on. So they started, they basically started off and, you know, they each take turns. They read, you know, a portion of the passage and then the next person reads it. And then they just have a discussion. And he's telling his mom and I about this. We're like, praise the Lord. Thank you, Lord, because we're, we're praying, you know, because college, California, Christianity. Hello. Most kids that are sent to college come back wanting nothing to do with the Lord or the things of the Lord, yeah. So he's enjoying this Bible study. I don't know how many times they have the Bible study. Well then all of a sudden I get a call from him. He's like, Baba, I need to ask you a question. I said, what? He said, well, um, turns out that these guys that I'm in this Bible study with are believe that you have to be water baptized to be saved. It's called baptismal regeneration. And this is my second born son, Levi. I love this kid. He, he got him. It was kind of like, ha. Oh. So of course me, right? I'm like, tell him that. What about this? Baba, Baba. Yeah, that's exactly what I told him. So he stops me. He says, yeah, I told him that too. He said, bring up the thief on the cross. He said, that was, that was my favorite one. Thank you for that one, by the way, because that one, you know, kind of got him. And then they get into this whole gyration about, well, this is prior to the crucifixion. Oh, really? Huh. And then he goes, yeah, I just said, well, then why did Jesus get baptized? <laughs> yes. And at every turn, he knew how to answer them. And they couldn't get it over on him. 
So he, I started asking him some questions like, okay, tell me a little bit more about these guys. <laughs> I will come and find them. <laughs> they will be in grave danger. <sighs> no, I didn't. I thought just for a second, but then I repented. So I started asking him a couple questions, and he starts telling me, yeah, they're a part of this very small church. I said, it's a cult. Get out because it has all of the markings of a cult. You know it's a cult when you alone have the truth and nobody else does. And you have to come to this church, sit under this teacher, and believe in this doctrine, or else you're not even saved. He said, Baba, I there was a couple times in the conversation where, because he asked me, he said, yeah, I know your dad's a pastor, but uh, when did you give your life to Christ? When did you get saved? He says, I was eight. Because you can't get saved at age eight. That's what I mean by I wanted to find out where they live, because, <laughs> oh really? Oh, I'm sorry. I guess you know everything. I'm not worthy. So they started questioning the authenticity of his salvation. Because apparently at age eight you can't do what you're supposed to do to be saved according to their legalism doctrine. I want to take people like that. Well, I'm not going to do that. When I was younger, I was younger. You're still this way. I was very militant. You're still militant, I know. But sometimes there needs to be a sanctified strength. My wife had to come in and just say, you know, here, give me the phone. <laughs> just, you're getting your dad's blood pressure up, and we don't need that. So, But you know, it, I'll tell you why it, it's so upsetting to me. I mean, of course, this is my son who, by the way, he did a much better job than I would have done. He handled himself, and I mean, he at every turn, it, it, it was almost like when Jesus was tempted by Satan, and Satan would misquote Scripture, he would come back with the correct quote of that Scripture. It is written. It is written. It, I'm like, that's my boy. So proud. But here's why this is so serious. And please hear my heart on this. Maybe you know someone when I say this. Someone will come to mind. How many young Christians have been derailed in their faith because of this? When I was a young believer, I was so on fire for the Lord and couldn't put the Bible down, read it for the first time all the way through in about six months. And man, I just... So I'm at the park one day reading my Bible, and up walks this guy, and he says to me, he says, are you a Christian? I'm like, yeah. You know, I'm, I'm new. I'm a new believer. I'm young in the Lord. I'm, a, I'm an infant, and I'm, I'm just, I'm feeding on the Word of God, and I'm growing. And he says to me the following, he says, um, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Uh, yeah. Is it evidenced by the speaking in tongues? 
I hadn't got to that part yet. Tongues? What? He said, yeah, the, the evidence, he took me through the book of Acts. I was ill-prepared. After that, it never happened again. I, I, I went home, I'm like, wait, where, where? He said, the evidence, the only evidence of being baptized with the Holy Spirit is the speaking in tongues. That is wrong. And I mean, he was, now I'm even starting to doubt my own salvation, the authenticity of my own salvation. Isn't it, don't you think it's a little bit obvious that that would be the enemy wanting to start putting doubts in your heart about your salvation? That's the enemy, that's not the Lord. So I start, I'm thinking, well, I, I don't, you know, so I went home and I'm thinking, well, maybe I'll just, he said, start just trying to speak and then it'll come. So I, and then I got wise and I, I now I'm going to go back in the book of Acts. As it turns out, there are five times in the book of Acts recorded where the Holy Spirit was poured out upon Epi in the Greek. And only, I think it's either two or three of those times was it evidenced by tongues. But every time the Holy Spirit came upon someone, the evidence was a boldness that came. Uh, Peter and John in Acts chapter 14, people were just blown away by these guys. And they're like, they are teaching with such power and such authority. And there's nothing extraordinary about these guys. These are ordinary guys. I mean, this one guy, I think he was a fisherman of all things. And, and he's now speaking with such power and authority. They were just dumbfounded and baffled. And then we read, then they realize, oh, these men had been with Jesus. Oh, there you go. That's the power of the Holy Spirit, when the power of the Holy Spirit, it's the Greek word dunamis, where we get our English word for dynamite. It's the power, the dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. That's the evidence of being filled, baptized if you prefer, in the Holy Spirit. It will be evidenced by the, now I, I have a, a prayer language, I pray in my unknown tongue, and it's edifying, and I pray in tongues to the Lord. But the evidence is the power. Because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, your life will become like rivers, torrents of water. You know how powerful water is? You know on the mainland, they have that's how they get their electricity. It's from the power of water. And that's why they have dams. There's so much power in that water. You know on, when they have floods, and you see those shots of the whole houses being carried downstream by the water? That's how powerful the water, like toothpicks. That's how powerful the water is. And this is the power of the Holy Spirit, your life, you're filled, it's living water and torrents of living water, so powerful. It's the power of the Holy Spirit 
to live a holy life. It's the Holy Spirit in us that empowers us. And by the way, it's also the Holy Spirit that gives us understanding of the Holy Word. When there was a, back in the Jesus movement days, I want to be careful how I couch these, uh, this uh, account, but there was a, a guy who studied revivals. I'm trying to, I think it was Edwin Orr, or I forget the guy's name, he's with the Lord now, of course. And he would always want to go to where there was a revival and people were getting saved. And so he would kind of study these revivals, kind of made it a, a, a life ambition of his, and wrote a book about it actually. He made this comment, and it's always stuck with me. He said, this revival is the Holy Spirit speaking through the Holy Word to God's holy people. It's the Spirit of God through the Word of God to the people of God. That's what's happening here. This is a move of the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of God through the Word of God to the people of God. That's what this is. I want you to think about this. That's what happens every time we're together and assemble ourselves together as a church body. And I am so thankful for that, because there are times, see there's a, the, the Holy Spirit's moving, and He takes, my words return void. Thank you Jesus. His word will never return void. And God takes His Word as I speak it, and He fine-tunes it to your heart, to that need in your heart. This is why it is sometimes you might think that somebody called me and told me about what happened last week to you, because it was like, how did you know? I had no clue. The Holy Spirit knew. And so sometimes when I go off on these you know, tangents. That's a word fitly spoken for somebody, and I know it. And I'm learning not to fight the Holy Spirit on that. But He'll take, that's the, the Spirit of God through the Word of God ministering to you as the people of God. And sometimes, and, I'll, and this is the end, <laughs> sometimes, I'm so thankful for this, God will allow you to hear a different sermon than the one I preached. Thank you, Jesus. <laughs> That's the power of God's Word and the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, this uh, matter of legalism is a, is a big issue, and it's a serious issue. And I thank you so much for inspiring the writer of Hebrews to write this and draw this stark contrast between the law and grace, life and death, and Lord, I just pray for anyone, myself included, that finds themselves attracted to legalism in any form, would recognize it and discern it as such, and run as far away from it as fast <laughs> as they can from it, Lord. Lord, thank you for your word. We love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.
Amen. We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Hebrews is rather enlightening as it traces all the history and traditions of the Old Testament, but ties them into the significance of Jesus and the New Testament. Essentially, Jesus is the fulfillment of all of the Old Testament covenants and symbols. Jesus is the high priest. Jesus became the sacrificial lamb. It would be fascinating to have been a Jew during Jesus' time and to then later realize that Jesus was and is everything he said he would be. To fully understand the newer things, it's important to go back and appreciate the older ways, how it was done prior to Jesus coming to earth. The book of Hebrews is a wealth of knowledge and a resource for this exact thing. If you're just getting into this study and want to listen to other teachings from Hebrews, we invite you to go to calvarychapelkaneohe.com. You can find more messages there. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word, looking for nuggets of wisdom and insights that God wants to teach you right in the book of Hebrews. As we look forward to next time, we trust that you've been encouraged by what you've heard today. Come back again for another edition of In Spirit and Truth.